Christ is risen, as he said, Alleluia. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a very joyous occasion in the love of God shows forth from the tomb and teaches us not to fear death, for it is the doorway to new life for those who have preached the gospel. I want to talk to you about that, how we preach the gospel in our lives. It's very important that we proclaim to all that Christ is risen. That's the epitome of the gospel, Christ is risen. Right now in the United States of America anyway and in the world, things are not what they used to be. Our Holy Father this morning did not celebrate the liturgy in, in front of St. Peter's. He had it in the Basilica and uh, not too many people could attend. And that is sad indeed that our religious observances are limited by fear, by governments that do not have the, do not have the power to really tell us what to do religiously, especially the United States, and by those who wish to see us fail in our attempt to preach the gospel to the world. They are tools of the evil one. Easter is in the season of new life in our hemisphere in the north. And we see signs of new life, maybe not here on the mountain because our spring is always uh, later than down below the valley, about a month. We see flowers blooming. We see birds coming back. We see new birth. And in our little uh, farm here, we keep goats and things like that. And we see uh, the rebirth of lambs and the little kids and everything that comes. We also see here uh, the wonderful cycle of life itself. When we have baptisms and weddings and things like that, we have very few of them because we're a monastery, but we do have a few. Uh, this signs of life give us hope. So three virtues God has given us when we were baptized and chrismated was faith, hope, and charity. Sometimes I think the most obvious one is hope. Because no matter how bad things get, Christians are optimistic. Even if they put us to death, Christ is with us. And he died first before us to open the doorway to new life in the heavenly kingdom. So we should not be afraid, little flock. It's wonderful to be a Christian. Right now, we're being persecuted for our Christian faith all over the world. And that's not new. Uh, it's, it's sort of perennial. But here in America, we have not tasted the bite of that until recently. 
when our political structures are turning against us and want to illuminate us from the political scene. Don't leap. Speak up. Remember, Christ is risen. The most important place where Christ is risen is not in the people we meet, which we should be kind to, we should be good neighbors, but also in our heart. Here in the monastery, we celebrate our life with hesychistic spirituality, which is the prayer of the heart. And sometimes we get uh, novices and people like that coming in. It takes a long time for them to learn. But they go through novitiate and hopefully they do learn. But if you pick up your New Testament and you read closely, uh, the Jesus Christ is always talking about the heart. And the fathers of the church tell us, concentrate when you pray in, with the prayer in your heart. That's because the heart is the place where the soul is most active. And you know, people, you lose people, you get upset. You, and where do you hear that pain that which you suffer when you're suffering? You feel it in your heart. And where do you hear the most joy that you have received? You feel it in your heart. Today is the day when our hearts should explode with joy. You know, all of us are, were born, and uh, our parents rejoiced, and we grew up. Most of us didn't become threats to society. That's a blessing. But we worked hard. And we really achieved a lot. And you should sit down and think about that when you say your prayers, you know, how your life went. And uh, during that life, who was walking with you? Jesus Christ. He's always with you. Holy Spirit is with you. So when you're sick, you're discouraged, put your hope in the Holy Trinity, who is with you in your pain, your suffering. All those things were sanctified by Christ dying on the cross. He shed his blood and came forth blood and water. The sacraments of the church came forth. And he rose on the third day. So the apostles were not very brave. The ladies for them were brave. And uh, John, who loved him very much, was chagrined. He was just a teenager, you know, at the foot of the cross. Must be hard for him to see his model and his teacher suffering on the cross. When the Lord fell asleep in death, he said, it is consummated. It is finished. What was finished? What was finished is the sacrifice he offered to the Father by living in this world and giving us the sacraments by which we become part of his divine life. For remember, every sacrament is a touch of Jesus Christ personally to your heart.
And he promises you this beautiful life of grace. Grace is the life of God within us. Eastern Church, we say it is energies of God that sanctify us. God has two energies, creative and sanctifying. So from the cross, the Lord ascended into heaven to the right hand of the Father. If you read uh, Apocalypse, you look at Christ, and that gives, John wrote that, he gives us a lot of insights, uh, insight into about heaven, about saints, about his collective redemptive will. It takes a lot of study to understand that. But when Christ arrived at the right hand of the Father with the human body, it was shocking. The angels will say, well, who is he? Why is he here? But the Father knew who he was. And the only way we really know the Christ is, is because when Jesus spoke to us, especially in John's Gospel, the great message was to introduce us to the Father. And his beloved Son, because the Father, the Son proceeds from the Father and is part of his essence, was sitting next to him in his human body, the incarnation. He was snow white. His garments were snow white. His eyes were like fire. He was invested in power. After that, he would come down upon the earth and uh, visit with us for about 40 days or so. It's usually 40, that's a holy number in all things. And when he came, they didn't recognize him. Well, how could they recognize him? He was a heavenly person. Who else was there? I like to talk about it. Our Blessed Lady had been assumed into heaven, body, and soul. That had to be because she was the mother of the incarnate one. But she, too, is gorgeous and beautiful. And she intercedes before us, before the throne. These people, like Our Lady, St. John, possibly St. Joseph, Enoch, who went to heaven, body and soul, they stand there enthroned in glory, praying for us. They are beautiful. They are happy. Paul says they move from glory to glory. So Christ says to us, death, where, where is your bite? Where is your strength? What, 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 why should we be afraid of you? You're, the enemy is not death. The enemy is the devils in the underworld. And when Jesus rose from the dead, the first thing he was to go down to Hades. And the fathers make a large distinction between Hades and hell. If you go down to hell, you're, you're there. But in Hades, all the people the Old Testament that were just, they were brought up on that day. And they went into town in their new bodies. And they looked around and visited their relatives, which was a large shock. Nobody ever expected that sees that your uncle, Adam, or whatever his name was, uh, uh, left you his estate. 
And he came to visit you and he wondered, he didn't even ask you what you did with the money. He wasn't interested in that. He was interested in you. Resurrection of Christ, our hope of power and glory, the fullness of our Christian life, what you will be working for all the time. Now, some of us older people, we're aging, you know. Now, in our society, they're going to figure out a way that everybody's going to beat death. Well, that's not going to happen. Did you see anybody that does that? Any drugs, any machines, any whatever? Somebody, they have hygienics, this thing, where they put you in storage, and then when things get better, they're going to wake you up? I doubt it. You will wake up in the kingdom of God on the first day of the resurrection. You will be beautiful. I told the story uh, during uh, Lenten Sundays. I was in England with the Air Force. And while I was in England, I, I was sort of a musician. I liked to play the violin years ago. And I was playing the Norfolk Symphony Orchestra. And uh, one weekend out of the summer season, the conductor would gather us all together, and he would practice the repertoire we were going to play during the season. And in uh, English, you're a different kind of people. They're sort of funny, but they're also very lovely. Lots of tradition, lots of beauty. The shame there, I think eventually they'll return to the Catholic Church. But anyway, and there are many Catholics in England, many Eastern Catholics in England. So anyway, uh, they would be in, a, we would be, con he would be conducting something, and he'd drop the baton in the middle of a measure. Not go to the end of the measure or the phrase, he'd just drop it, because it was tea time. And everybody had to go to tea. If the Queen was having tea in Buckingham Palace, so was all of England, all the Great Britain. So I sat down for a cup of tea and biscuits, which is really what we call cookies. And there was a lady there. She was a cellist. So, uh, so she was a good musician, but she was experiencing an uh, aging process. And she says to me, she called me vicar. She didn't know if I was a Catholic priest or whatever I was. I was in a black suit and collar. And she just figured I was Church of England. She says, you know, vicar. I said, yes. She says, Our, the vicar in church Sunday preached on the resurrection. And she says, I got very upset about that. I says, why? She says, well, I don't think I want to get up. I said, well, why wouldn't you want to get up? She says, well, did you take a good look at me? So she was telling that the beauty had faded. I said, you have really a different uh, wrong impression. I said, you, when you get up, you're going to be 35 years old and gorgeous and fill a life in life and experience one glory of God after the other. Oh, I can take that. She says, I'll take it. I said, well, remember to get up and say your prayers every day. So it was very interesting. People's conception 
but the resurrection varies. That all we have to do is really read our Bible carefully and remember that Jesus Christ is love incarnate. The Father is love because he sent the Son to redeem us from death and dying. And that all of us who are baptized and chrismated and eat the body and blood of the Lord in the Holy Eucharist, which is the resurrected body of Christ, our food for the journey, are destined for a wonderful, wonderful experience. Well, you say, well, maybe some people are, but I don't know if I've lived a, such a good life. I think we've all done things we're not proud of. I think the Lord forgives us our sins, especially at this time of year. A priest, your pastors always tell you, make a good confession in preparation for Pascha, for Easter. In some churches, when you go up for your Easter communion, They'll stop you and ask you if you had made a confession, and they'll have a priest sitting somewhere in the church to make sure you make a confession before you go to your Easter communion. We call it our Easter duty in the Catholic Church. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to sit with God, to love him, to read the scriptures, to understand them the way they're given to us in our tradition to have peace in your heart, to have tears in your heart, to fall in love with God and not fear death. I remember when my mother was uh, falling asleep in the Lord. It's, it's a big lesson when you lose your parents, is it not? And uh, she had uh, very bad lungs. Nothing else was wrong with her. But you know, her generation of people, they smoked those cigarettes all over the place. And that secondary smoke, you know, she the whole family was sort of smokies, you know. So it, it got her. And she said to me, she says, Joe, what did I do wrong? I'm sitting by her, you know, in, in her bedroom in there. I brought her to Seattle to be with me because dad couldn't take care of her. And she had a nice time in Seattle. She lived in the rectory. All the people catered to her. She says, I know I wouldn't get this care if I wasn't the mother of a priest. I said, well, just enjoy it. So anyway, uh, she says, why do I have to suffer this way? What have I done? I said, mother, it's nothing you've done. It's the human condition. We're born broken because of original sin. But some people are not smart enough to cooperate with God's will towards our salvation and the resurrection. And she says to me, and doctors ask me this, they get upset with their parents, they're trying to make people well, and of course they have, that have patients that are aging, and they're not going to get well. And they'll sit and talk. The priest goes to the doctor, and they sit there, and the doctor talks to them about, he says, I can't stand the pain of my patients. He says, it depresses me. I said, well, doctor, we're not going to get out of this life without pain. 
but it's productive. It makes us think of God and carries closer to the healing power of the sacraments, brings us closer to the reality that we'll go through the door of death, the new life. I said, it's a good thing. I said, and you're a good doctor. Alleviate their pain as much as you can, but none of us are going to get out of here without pain. So anyway, uh, we read the lives of the saints, especially in the Eastern Church. A lot of people, great saints, didn't experience much pain in their life because they were martyrs. So somebody knocked them off. If they were in a state of grace, that would be a wonderful thing, but not all, and of course the saints were. So, you know, in the gospel, it tells us that martyrdom is a great gift. Well, for those who fall asleep in the Lord, it may be a, a, a short or long martyrdom. And God is not punishing you for your sins, because you will confess them. And you have done penance in your life for what wrong you've done. The wrong you've done will not outweigh your love for God and the things you do for him. And your greatest gift that he has reassured you is the resurrection. You say in your prayers with Paul, I live now, not I, but Christ lives in me. What apostle did not go through death? What apostle actually was not martyred? Are we are greater than them? Can we be in love with God like they were? I like the mysticism of St. Paul in the Gospel of John. That's my favorite places to read. This week we read the Eucharistic, excuse me, the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ from Gospel of John. He talked to the Father. He asked the Father in the Gospel, can this pass away from me? He wasn't happy in the garden, but he accepted pain that was not his, but ours. And he died on the cross for love of us. And for that reason, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, body, soul, and divinity, and he sanctified the world. He gave the greatest gift, resurrection, eternal life. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.